awesome promise, an amazing promise, an exciting, isn't that a gorgeous picture? Because the way the world works is that either people either try to behave, try to be good, hoping to impress God, or, or even, if even if they're not sure God is really there, then they, sti- they still try to make themselves good at a certain level to attract th- the attention of people that they want to like them. I'll try to behave. I'll try to be better here uh, so that Carl will like me better. Because after all, we all, we all come into this, into this world with two fears. I'm not enough and I won't be loved. So I'm going to try really hard to be good so maybe somebody will think I'm enough and they'll, try to, and they'll love me. And that's backwards. That, in this world, Christians have come to realize that if, there's, if I do anything good... It's because Jesus has changed me. Jesus is living in me. Jesus has changed my perspective. Jesus has changed my heart. Jesus has, has, has accepted the surrender of my will, and he's now living through me. God will make us good because he loves us. And God will make you good. He will change you because he loves you. Uh, both of the pats back there on the pat row. Uh, God will change you for the better because he loves you. He's not waiting for you all to say, well, I guess we better start being better or if God's going to love us, we need to get... No, God says, I love them so much. I'm going to just live my life in them and, and I'm going to change them and bring life out. A good friend of mine used to say, I've, I've reminded you this before, but a good friend of mine used to say, God always catches his fish and then he cleans them. Uh, and a lot of us think that it's in the, that we have to make ourselves really better before we can serve Jesus. And Jesus, he doesn't want anything from you. He accepts to just surrender, to just throw up your hands and surrender, knowing that the life of Christ in you. What does Galatians two twenty say? We all know. I've been crucified with Christ. Uh, and the only reason I'm still alive now is because he lives in me. Boy, there was an old, old gospel song back in the, I learned it back in the 70s. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And not I, but it's Christ living in me. Everybody, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Every, anyhow, that was the 70s. And I, but I've been crucified with Christ. I'm a, raise your hand if you're a dead person. Right? You've been crucified with Christ. You're a dead person. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh. No. The only reason that anything remarkable is happening in you now is because Jesus is living in you. And he just wants to keep living in you, living and living and living and living and living and living and loving, living and loving and living and loving and healing and helping. Because God will make us good because he loves us. God will change us because he loves us. He shines his love on us. Okay. And that changes us. We get surrender to and bathe ourselves in and rest in, rest in Connie's word, rest in his love and, let, 
and just surrender to his love, as crazy as it sounds, it, it begins to soften our hearts and change us. All right, so last week, we talked about this divine throwdown. Remember, this is Saul on the way to the road to Damascus. Uh, heavenly light, uh, here's the voice. He sees Jesus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do, except I'm blind. Uh, so the men who traveled with him were speechless, heard the voice, didn't see anybody. So they saw get up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. That's, I got to say, I talked about this last week, but I guess I'll say it one more time. How many times are your eyes open, but you're just not seeing? How many times are you, and you're, you, the more you struggle with it, and the more you, uh, you're just not seeing. You got your eyes open, you can see nothing. And what you need for a, for a while is for somebody to lead you around by the hand so that uh, until you're brought to a place where you can see and take care of yourself. Three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. That was last week. All right. So now here's your mission if you choose to accept it. Meanwhile, back in Damascus, there's this thing happening. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, because this was before the days of instant messages or Facebook. So the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And Ananias said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. See how God's just covering all the bases at once. But Ananias answered and said, What? Lord? Am I understanding you? I would say that it's a good thing that Saul is blind. I'd say it's a good thing that he can't see where he's going. God, are you sure? I mean, I've heard about this guy. A lot of people are talking about him. How much terrible things he did, how many, how he harmed your saints at Jerusalem, and now after making a mess of Jerusalem, now here he is. He's come here. He's come to Damascus. We're locking our doors. We're closing our windows. We're not answering our phones because uh, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So surely, God, <laughs> this is. Uh, let's talk about this. And I have these little things highlighted here. Um, a lot of times when I'm reading a verse, uh, certain phrases just pop out at me. Um, that's why I do sermon, sermon preparations. I, I go over a verse, and as I'm, as I'm just reading it, the, the Holy Spirit kind of gets my attention, and, and he makes me go, oh, hmm. And so this is kind of, the, this is my way of taking notes. Uh, the first thing, Ananias said, he heard, the, he heard the voice of the Lord, he realized it was God, and he, he didn't say, go away, God, I'm busy right now, I'm in the middle of my favorite show. Um, I'm, 
I'm uh, having dinner right now. God, uh, can I just finish my dessert? Um, he recognized, he sensed it somehow that God was speaking to him. Maybe, I mean, obviously it says there that he heard the voice of the Lord uh, or the Lord in a vision. That's, I mean, it's one thing to hear a voice, say Ananias, but to be in the middle of a vision and see something and hear the voice, I mean, it's pretty hard to ignore. But anytime you sense God is speaking to you, whether you're Ananias or whoever you are, the appropriate response is, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. That's harder to say sometimes than you would think. But Ananias, he was a disciple. He had evidently been filled with the Holy Spirit for a while. And so he sensed somehow that the Holy Spirit was prompting him. And he said, he recognized it was God. And he said, here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm ready. I'm up for anything. Here I am, Lord. I hear your voice. I'm acknowledging you. I'm surrendering to you. Here I am, Lord. And so, and this is just uh, kind of this, what I underlined here. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so he might regain his sight. Uh, it's just, oh, no, first of all, up in the dark, bold house of Judas, he inquired at the, at the, at the house of Judas. So, so Ananias is... He's gotten his assignment, right? How would you like to be Judas? The guy, who, guy who, who has a house in Damascus. His name happened to be Judas. And, and Saul of Tarsus so shows up at your house and wants to stay with you. You know what made me wonder? I'm not sure about this because there's no, no information about it at all. I'm actually wondering whether Judas was not a disciple. Maybe Judas was the guy that... Paul was going to stay with anyhow um, because I'm, I can't imagine um, any disciple of Jesus opening the door to Judas without also having to hear the voice of the Lord and get a vision and, not, and maybe three or four visions because you want to have Saul of Tarsus at your house what was, so I'm just curious about Judas I, I don't have any answers but I, that just made me go hmm who is Judas how did he feel about this? And how would you feel if, if uh, Saul of Tarsus came to your house and needed to stay there for a while? Anyhow, Ananias, his, his assignment was tough. Uh, here I am, but he said, here I am, Lord. He said, here I am, Lord, right up until he found out what the thing was. Oh, and you know, that's, that's how spiritual we are. I feel like the Lord is really moving in my heart today. While we were praying and seeking God, and I felt like I heard the voice of the Lord prompt me. And, and then it was like, what? I, God, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I want to do that. Uh, one thing to say, here I am, Lord, and then when you find out about it, sometimes you freak out. All right, so... So Ananias thought the mission was impossible. He was like, no way, Jose. No way, Jesus. Not going there. Uh, I'm just not going to do it. And the Lord said, go. I should have made that in like 15 point, 22 point type. So whatever. 
The Lord said, go, because I have a plan. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I think Ananias was probably surrendered when he heard, Go! But there's an explanation after that. Uh, So Ananias departed and he entered the house and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? There's not a lot of details about what happened next. It just says, I don't, there's no evidence that he said a prayer. It's just like, God has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be full of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I, we know that, that uh, God had told him to lay his hands on him. So I guess he laid hands on him. Boom, immediately scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. He got up. He was baptized. Boom, boom, boom. Then he had a snack and he was strengthened. Yeah, they must have had some sort of a conversation about that. My, my phone died. Did I punch the button? Uh, oh. Okay, now I've got it. Thank you. So let's go back here. He is a chosen instrument of mine to bear by name. Boom, that jumped out at me. You know why it jumped out at me? Because God said to me, You're an instrument of mine to bear my name too, Nate. You're a chosen instrument of God to bear his name. Ruth, you're a chosen instrument of God to bear his name. Diana, you're a chosen God, instrument of God to bear his name. Laura, you're a chosen instrument of God to bear, to bear my name. We are all chosen instruments of God to bear his name. So don't be all jealous about Saul and getting to be a chosen instrument because we are all chosen instruments. And this other un- suffer for my name's sake. Because we are all chosen instruments, we all have opportunities to also suffer for his name's sake. Uh, and sometimes it honestly means you hear the voice of God, he's sin- you know you've got to choose something, you've got to do it, and you know it's going to be hard, and you know it's going to be uncomfortable, and you know you'd rather not do it, but you know that it's for his glory. And so... You do it. God chose you sometimes to go places you don't want to go and say things that you don't want to say to people that you don't even like or pray for people that you don't even like or be merciful to people or forgive people that you don't even like because you are a chosen instrument of His. And the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus, I mean, so, so Ananias had a hard job. It's not any different than your job. The Lord Jesus right now is preparing to send you somewhere so that somebody can regain their sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What have we been talking about? All, we're going to be able to tell our stories with miraculous results. God, we can't lose sight 
uh, the, the core of this story, which is that we are all sent. We are all empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are all sent to tell our story so that people's eyes can be opened and they can be filled with the Holy Spirit too. The whole point of launching your relationship with Jesus Christ is so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit so that God can do what He wants to do with that person for the rest of their lives. God can't do anything without the whole operation of the Holy Spirit. And He sends us to be His chosen instruments. So we read this story, and it's a dramatic story. It's a scary, hard story for Ananias. And, and, and so Saul is just sitting there as dumb as a post. He, he can't do anything. He, he can't see anything. Uh, he doesn't feel like eating. Uh, he's still in shock. And he's, everything that he thought was true, get this, everything that he thought was true was just completely blown to dust on the road to Damascus. All his certainty that he was right, all his confidence in his power, all his ability, everything that he believed about himself and most of the things that he thought he believed about God were just ground to mush. And now he's blind and now he's had this vision that some dude named Ananias is going to come. And honestly, he doesn't, he knows that Ananias is a believer. He doesn't show it. He's blind. He can't defend himself. He's like, I don't know whether Ananias is just going to come and hit me with a club. Punch me in the face. Because he's beginning to, Saul is beginning to figure out that he's probably offended a few people. And maybe he's feeling a little unsettled about that now. But he's a blind guy. Yeah, he's defenseless. <clears throat> Suddenly he's in the position of all those people that he was attacking. He is even more defenseless than they were. And he's sitting there. And Ananias comes in and says, Jesus sent me. Remember Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming? He sent me. He wants you to regain your sight and he wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul had no idea what any of that meant. Except he thought that the regaining the sight point was that, was that maybe he could start seeing out of his eyeballs again. But he was about to see a lot more and understand a lot more. I mean, he had no idea what was about to happen to him and the Holy Spirit was about to come upon him. Wow. And, and it's still kind of matter of fact, immediately scales fall from his eyes, he regained his sight, he got up, he was baptized, then they had supper, uh, and he felt better. You're always going to feel better when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Something that Ananias thought was impossible became possible. How? Why? Because in spite of Ananias' anxiety or uncomfortableness with facing the biggest, baddest enemy of the early church. But he obeyed the Lord. He said what he was supposed to say. He did what he was supposed to do. Ananias didn't make the scales fall off, right? It was not like... It was, it was like, in the name of Jesus, whack! And the scales fall off of his head. Uh, he just said, uh, 
I'm here. I'm going to lay my hands on you. God said, lay my hands on you. I'm praying for you. You're going to receive your sight. You are going to, you're going to receive it. Let's back up because uh, he, he has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he says, a man's going to come, lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. That's it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he knew that was coming. Um, but that doesn't mean he knows whether to believe it or not. And when you're sitting there blind, you're like with your fingers crossed, like, I hope this, is, I hope this, I hope this doesn't go terribly, horribly wrong. Uh, and then Ananias just showed up, did what he was told to do, and something that would have, that, the only reason it was, that Ananias thought it was impossible was because he didn't believe what God told him was going to happen. He was afraid that Paul was going to whack him with a sword or that this was, this was all going to go wrong. Um, <laughs> and so he didn't want to because he was afraid that it was going to blow up in his face. But he, he believed God and he went anyhow. And when he went and he did what God said, God did the rest. He wasn't in charge of making the blindness go away and he wasn't in charge of making the Holy Spirit come. He was just there to be obedient, to show up, pray, lay his hands, and God did the rest. And the reason that anything is possible is because God does it, not us. The reason that there's any possible goodness that comes out of anything we do is because God does it, not us. The reason anything changes is because God does it in us and not us. So I have a a question. You know, there's some other stories in the Bible where people heard from God and got some direction and they went, ah! They heard from God, but it didn't necessarily go immediately smoothly after that. Um, Give me some examples. Moses and the burning bush. Now, honestly, when you see a talking bush on fire, and it, I mean, and it's like saying, Rosie, over here. <sighs> Rosie, over here. You would think, um, maybe God was with you, but not Moses. Moses was like, no, no, not, no, God, not, um, send my brother. Um, no, not, so, so Moses, good example. Another example. Yeah, that's right. He, he, he. <laughs> so, some, somebody else. Somebody else who said, no, God, not me. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, Caleb, incidentally, is now one of the world's leading experts on Jonah. If you want to ask him anything, he'll be glad, he will be glad to come to your house because he has a, po- a PowerPoint. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. But yeah, Jonah... Jonah was like the number one, uh, no way, Jose, I'm not going. Um, he not only argued with God, he ran from God. Uh, anybody else? I mean, there's, there's actually lots of these. I'll put some up here. Put, uh, there's Moses. 
Oh, Gideon. Remember Gideon? It's like Gideon. So you know what Gideon did? So Lord, I'm, I'm just not quite, I don't want you to want to do this. I'm not really sure it's you. So would you just make some stuff wet here, but not there? Oh, good job, God. Now, but I'm still not sure it's you. Now, now do it the other way. Uh, uh, um, so you've got Moses, you've got Gideon. Of course, you've got Jonah. Uh, Peter at the house of Cornelius, which we'll get to in a couple more chapters, when God uh, appears to Peter in a vision and says, go preach at the house of Cornelius. And, and God says, and, and, and Peter says, what? Are you sure? No. No, God. There's, that's, that's, well, that's just wrong. God, I can't, be, I can't believe you would want me to enter Cornelius' house. I just, I just won't do it. Because, this, is, this is a trick. This is a test, right? You're trying to trick me into going just because you told me to when I already know that it's wrong and I shouldn't go. But I, I'm, I, saw, I saw what you did there. Not going. I am not going to Cornelius' house. Uh, people come up with, in, in, Peter's, in Peter's instance, at the house of Cornelius, he was coming up not with a, an obviously fear-based excuse. He was coming up with a very spiritual excuse. I know the law. I understand. The, I know what the Bible says. And I know that you really couldn't be asking. If you were God, you couldn't be asking me to do this. So, um, so there. Um, some people know the Bible really well in all the wrong ways. And sometimes they use the Bible to actually as an excuse for not obeying the voice of God. Not that any of us have ever done that. Um, so here's my question. When was the last time you sensed the voice of God, but? When was the last time you, you, knew, you knew really clearly that God was speaking to you and it was fairly clearly spelled out what, what he wants and you're like going, oh no, now what? I don't want to exactly disobey God, but this just sounds impossible. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm, somebody's, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I may get beat up. I may get run over. I may, somebody's going to laugh at me. I just... Oh, it must not have been God. That's right. Peggy said, she just decides it wasn't God. If it's not what you want, it must not be God. That's, that's the... Uh, we should call that the, the Peggy face test from now on. If it, if it was not what I want, it doesn't make me happy. It must not be from God. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you to share in details unless you've got a fantastic testimony. I'm always open to fantastic testimonies. But when you're in those times when you know you've heard the voice of God, but you push back. How did it turn out? How does it turn out? Did you, did you eventually say yes? And like Ananias, you, you took that step of faith? Or did you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and your heart gets slightly harder and your ears get slightly deafer until it's really too late and the door is closed and then you realize, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. And then you have to go back to God and say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. 
I know I should have, I know I should have obeyed you. God got the work done some other way because it was important to him. He was going to get it done. You know, a lot of times this is never about God getting a particular thing done out there. It's about God wanting to do a particular thing in here. I mean, think about it this way. How many believers were there in Damascus? Probably a lot. Was Ananias the only one that God could have used to go and lay hands on Saul and have him receive his sight? No. God picked Ananias. I think. God picked Ananias because Ananias needed to see, needed to face something that looked impossible and discover that it is possible. Can I share? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so here, just just talking to this this magic thing. All right. Well, based on where the Lord had led me in the fall, I got the opportunity about very very early October or mid October to go with one of my previous mentors on a weekend trip to Costa Rica to go. Um, be a consultant on, on a ministry trip to go and just as Faith Academy in Marble Falls is a um, discipleship model school that has mandatory Bible class and chapel, um, there is such a school in Costa Rica called, called the Colegio Methodista, which is literally Methodist school. It's a really big, um, very accredited secondary and middle school, high school for Costa Rican kids. And I was, I was invited to go there for a weekend trip with one, another Faith Academy faculty member and um, to bring some morning devotionals to the meeting times that, that, that um, the people in this school would be coached and advised on how they can improve their school based on some methods that have been used at the school here in, in Texas. And I was, I was offered pretty much a, uh, a free trip to go down there. If I could figure out how to pay for my plane tri- ticket, I could, I could have my expenses down there covered um, as part of an agreement to go and, and help with that. And at the time, I had just returned to um, work at a second job um, in Marble Falls, and I didn't think it was a great idea for me to leave after just coming back. And It would work out, and I would, I would have the time to go, but I didn't really want to go because I wanted to just kind of get back in a groove and, and be comfortable with where I was. And... It was not only myself, but another um, young young guy was invited to go. And whenever I heard that he could not go, I was like, "Oh, great! Well, that means I don't have to go either." And so, and so, I decided that I was not going to go um, on this trip because, well, that makes sense. And I just I think it's wise, is what I said. I think it's wise <laughs> if, if I don't go, if I, if I just do this and honor these responsibilities that I have, and just stay here and be all here. That's that's great. I'll do that. And the next day, I went. To church, it wasn't um, here at the time, and the the teaching was about the very last chapter. I think it was the very last chapter of Second Samuel, whenever uh, 
David takes a census of Israel and God punishes the people for that. And David sees where the Temple Mount is going to be. And there's this angel that's hovering over there and is somehow led to, I have to go by that place because that's where, the, that's where this, um, this angel stops. And it's a special place and something's going to happen there. And God's, I think he says, go by that place. It's going to be the Temple Mount area. So he goes... And the guy who owns it's like, hey, I'll just give it to you. I'll just give you this place. It's okay. If it, God wants it, I am happy to give it. But David says, I don't want to offer a, sac- a burnt offering to the Lord that doesn't cost me anything. And it was, it was that particular line, after I just decided that I was going to take the route that cost me less, that I needed to go on this trip to, to Costa Rica. And not that it was this huge, risky leap, but it was something that I decided I didn't want to do. And um, through that, the Lord provided a way for me to go. But then when I was there, um, the Lord just reminded me of how faithful he is. And it was it's evident to me now, looking back on it, that that was the way that the Lord intended and planned and had for me to go, even though I decided that I had a better idea. And, and it, it, took, it took sort of a, a moment of, of some correction of, Caleb, are, are you willing to, to give me more versus comfort versus security predictability and so that is that's a testimony of something like this where i decided wait but i don't want to it's that doesn't make sense for me to do that i think i think this isn't an unwise thing and maybe god doesn't always call us to what's wise so yeah <laughs> amen and thank you caleb thank you caleb that's The devil will always give us excuses, and they will sound reasonable. (laughs) But if you know you've heard from God, and sometimes you have to pause. Sometimes it's, is that you, God? Am I just making this up? Is that really you? Once you know it's from God, you just have to not listen to the excuses. There will always be a lot of excuses for not obeying God. There's only one reason, really, only one reason to obey the voice of the Lord. What is it? It's the voice of the Lord. You don't have to understand. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to seem wise. You don't have to know the end before the beginning. Even if it's scary, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's humiliating, if you know it's the Lord, you just do it. You just do it, and it becomes possible. Um, now, C.S. Lewis's quote, where did I put that phone? C.S. Lewis's quote, Um, what Ananias probably still had to learn was that yeah Saul was a bad guy God was in the process of loving Saul and in that love producing the goodness of God in Saul's life um He needed Ananias to be a part of that. Uh, It was the love of God that made this possible. 
and it's the love of God that makes anything possible. Um, when the voice, when you know the voice has said, the voice of God has said, trust me and go, you just say, yes, Lord, I- I'm your instrument. I'm ready to be used by you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know, Lord, what it feels like to have, <coughs> to, have a, to have visions and things in 72-point type and still push against and say, no, no, I don't, I don't, but I don't want to. This isn't going to be fun. It's not going to be pleasant. So, Lord, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying one more time to you, I surrender to being your instrument, your chosen instrument. Use me, Lord, to bring the words, to bring your presence, to tell my story so your spirit can flow through me to touch other people, Lord, and I pray that for all of us in here today, we would have similar prayers and similar opportunities to face the things that are scary and hard, to, to see you do impossible things. And Lord, take, take impossible out of our vocabulary when it comes to hearing your voice and, and give us a new word to use today from now on. When we hear from you, when we have a vision from you, when we receive from you, give us the courage to say that God is going to do the is possible. We are doing the is possible. When you're walking with Jesus, all things are possible. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.